We're back on Ariva Martin in real time. It's Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin. And we are joined now by Reverend Norman S. Johnson, Sr. He's a pastor at First New Christian Fellowship Baptist Church. Uh, pastor Johnson, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation to be on with you. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Mark Ridley Thomas today. Uh, his legal counsel filed a motion today, um, a motion calling for bail pending appeal. But before we get to that, I just wanted to, to ask you, you know, you've been in the civil rights struggle for quite some time. Uh, is that why you've been following this case or what, what has been uh, your main interest in this case? Well, the main interest in the case uh, grows out of a longstanding uh, relationship with Mark Whitley Thomas, uh, dating back, you know, to his time at SCLC um, when he was the executive director. Uh, so, been a part of his uh, career, a uh, 30 year career uh, in public service. And was very much alarmed, obviously, when, you know, the news of the indictment. Uh, came out, and then um, the subsequent events uh, with the city council, his suspension and so on. And so in February of last year, uh, was a part of a conversation with the then president of the city council, Nuri Martinez, where we tried to raise substantial issues with the uh, council's decision to suspend him uh, so rapidly, uh, so quickly uh, after the uh, indictment. And so um, we go back that, that far in terms of this particular case, but in terms of the relationship that Mark Whitley Thomas has had with myself as well as countless other clergy uh, it dates back decades. Understood, and uh, and that's that's a obviously a very good reason to to be interested in a case like this. And so let's talk about this this motion that uh, Mark Ridley Thomas's legal counsel filed today. A motion calling for bail pending appeal. What does that What does that mean? It means that he will continue to remain um, on bail. Um, pending uh, the appeal. He's been on bail, you know, since um, uh, the indictment. Um, so this means that he will continue to be free. Uh, you know, his uh, surrender date is coming up second week in November. So this would mean that he can continue to uh, be free, uh, not in custody, uh, while uh, uh, the appeal process moves forward. So, under just so we can clearly explain this to everyone, in the, in the normal process, if uh, if someone has a surrender date coming up and they've uh, they've been found guilty, they've been sentenced, and they are planning on appealing, they would have to uh, go in on their surrender date and and start serving their sentence as they appeal. Is that how it usually works? You know, I'm I'm not an expert. In these matters, the we'll, we'll have a couple lawyers on. We'll have a couple lawyers on in the second half hour. So yes, the conversations <laughs> that I've had with uh, the informal conversations with attorneys uh, suggest that 
Um, generally, when the surrender date comes, arrives, then uh, he would surrender. He, he would go into custody. But there are cases where that um, does not happen. And so this motion today uh, is uh, requesting that he remain free pending uh, pending uh, the appeal. Understood. Can you talk about the the concept of a trial tax? So, you know, a lot of times prosecutors will try to get an individual to take a plea deal. And if they don't take a plea deal, then the sentence will get tougher because the, the attorney's office is, is I guess, uh, upset that they didn't take the plea deal and, and they, they kind of want to um, make them make them pay for it. But especially in this case with, with uh, Mark Ridley Thomas um, choosing to exercise his constitutional right, um, do you think that his sentence got tougher than if he simply would have copped a plea? I mean, obviously, if you take a plea deal, you're doing that because you think you'll get a lighter sentence. But what do you make of the concept of a trial tax, especially in this case uh, with uh, Mark Ridley Thomas, where they, they really do kind of seem to be trying to make an example out of him? Well, I, I, I think that's the case. One of the principles of nonviolence is non-cooperation with evil so that Mark Ridley Thomas in exercising his constitutional rights has not cooperated with the uh, justice office, the uh, uh, attorney's office to uh, get a lighter sentence. It's a principle here. He does not feel that he is guilty. And so that's where he takes his stand and we stand with him. Uh, uh, the group that I work with, uh, South Los Angeles uh, Clergy for Public Accountability, uh, we believe that uh, his position uh, has not only merit and validity, but there's no other position that he could take. So let's talk about race in terms of jury selection and, and sentencing. Is this a case where, well, first let's talk about, let's talk about sentencing. He was sentenced to three and a half years, uh, about 42 months. And it just, it seems like maybe that's a, a little out of proportion here. I mean, he, he he was found guilty of one count of conspiracy, one count of bribery, one count of honest services mail fraud, and four counts of honest services wire fraud. Right. So uh, I know you're not a lawyer, but let's just – do you think that there, there was some element of racial bias in the sentencing of Mark Ridley Thomas and – and prosecutors sort of just trying to trying to go after him tougher than they would probably a white politician in in, in the same shoes who did the same thing. Well, what's, what's interesting is that the prosecution's recommendation for sentencing was six years. Yeah, and 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 
Judge Fisher, um, you know, pronounced a sentence of three and a half years, which, you know, doesn't make sense to lay people who were, who witnessed uh, the uh, proceedings. Um, but there's language that we heard, words that we heard that suggest that there was an effort to humble him, to bring him down. They talked about him being such a powerful black politician that really bent people to his will. He could just get people to do whatever he wanted them to do. Uh, and you could hear that in the prosecution's presentation uh, so that I do believe that this is to some degree a kind of trophy case where they want to make an example out of Mark Ridley Thomas, um, particularly given his track record, the significance of his career, and the fact that in the courtroom, I'm sure Judge Fisher has never seen the kinds of responses that she saw day in and day out in terms of attendance and people being there, um, even to the point where they had to open up other rooms to accommodate the number of persons who were coming to the, uh, to the trial. The other thing is uh, the prosecution mentioning uh, the kinds of activities that were going on, including the worship services, that were held, which were uh, us moving in our own space and tradition of prayer and we're looking for justice and so on. Uh, that was actually mentioned by the prosecution uh, during the trial. So that, um, you know, it was almost suggesting that we he needed to be broken down. He needed to be humbled. And that 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 does not serve justice at all. No, no, it doesn't. And, and you said that they, they're trying to humble him. What is it that you think he did to make them feel like that? What specifically did Mark Ridley Thomas do that make that make or or how did he act or did he say anything or or was he just. Uh, being black while being a politician, what do you? What is it that made them want to humble him? Well, maybe it's the latter issue uh, that you you just mentioned, but uh, the perception that was created was that he's very arrogant, and he he was not. While he was cooperative, um, he was not bending to the will of the prosecution. He fought every step of the way. Even in the sentencing hearing, 
when he made his statement, his statement focused on his family, focused on persons that have supported him, and focused on, yes, maybe what I did was ill-advised, but not illegal. Mm. And I think that that's the kind of, 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 of language and position that the prosecution did not want from him and even at the end could not break him. Do you think there's a, there's an element of buck breaking here? You know, in, in the history of this country, I, I think white people, especially white slave masters have, they felt that they had to, as you said, break us and kind of um, make us behave in the way that they wanted us to. Do you think there's an element of that here? Oh, sure. Sure. And it wasn't, I mean, it could be the prosecution. That's that's true with the prosecution. But if you go back to uh, the uh, the infamous tape, uh, city council members, uh, the redistricting me- uh, meeting when we're on the anniversary uh, of mm-hmm. that. If if you we'll, we'll, we'll be covering that extensively next week. We'll be covering that that extensively next week right here on KBLA. By the way, uh, just uh, All right. thank you for that. But go ahead. I mean, some of the language there, you know, it was, it was, Mark really needs to be put in his place. He really needs to be uh, put in his place. Uh, He, uh, the presentation that he was not as substantial as the perception of him publicly was uh, in terms, particularly in terms of the African-American community. Uh, So, there is, in my mind, as he is probably the most visible uh, black politician, Southern California, uh, with a record of leadership, that he is a target, definitely so, so that it's not just with the uh, prosecution's case, it is also with the city council, uh, the rush to judgment that we saw, uh, which now um, the president of the city council is saying, you know, maybe we should not have suspended him so quickly. And it has, um, uh, I, I think, in current prices case, uh, has caused the city council to act with more deference and wisdom. Reverend Johnson, as a member of the clergy and a, and a member of the faith community here in LA, can you just, uh, in, in about the last minute that we have, talk about what Mark Ridley Thomas means to the black community in LA? The best way that I can, I think, can do that is to suggest that Mark Ridley Thomas is a person of faith. He comes out of the black church 
faith tradition, um, uncle, uh, pastor, um, grew up in the church. Uh, his faith is an integral part of who he is. Uh, his wife would talk about him walking around the house singing spirituals and so forth, uh, religious songs. So my point is, what he means to the African-American community is that he's deeply rooted in those traditions that have inspired us and given us hope, faith, love, the things that have kept us together in spite of all of the challenges and injustices we've seen uh, in our sojourn here. Reverend Norman Johnson, uh, it has been a pleasure speaking to you and thank you for, for filling us in. Um, Pastor First New Christian Fellowship Baptist Church, Reverend Norman Johnson Sr. I really appreciate your attention to this case and for sharing your, um, your insights with us today. Thank you, thank you. We come forward, we are going to be getting deeper into this conversation. We're gonna be talking to Attorney Mansfield Collins and veteran prosecutor Bobby Grace going through the timeline from the beginning to now uh, of Mark Ridley Thomas and uh, the charges that he has uh, been facing and his uh, forthcoming appeal. Going to get into that as soon as we uh, get on the other side of this news, traffic, and sports update right here on KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. And we're back on Ariva Martin in real time. Avi Bernard in for Ariva Martin this evening. and I am. Grateful to be joined by Attorney Mansfield Collins and veteran prosecutor Bobby Grace. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the show today. Uh, another motion filed by the legal counsel for Mark Ridley Thomas calling for bail pending appeal. So we talked a little bit about that in the first uh, half hour uh, of this hour number two of uh, Reva Martin in real time. And so you are you are both um, very knowledgeable about this process. So. Bail pending appeal. That means that he can be free while he while he his appeal plays out. So the normal process is, and let me know if I have this right or if I have this wrong. I'm not, I'm not in the legal profession like you two. I'm just a lay person. That's why I wanted to have this conversation so we can kind of just break it down to, to those who um who might not be apprised to everything that's happened. And we're gonna we're gonna go back to the beginning, but just starting with today's news. Bail pending appeal, meaning normally on the surrender date, you have to go in and turn yourself in and you start serving your sentence um, while it, as in if this bail pending appeal is granted, then he can remain free until his appeal process plays out. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay. You, have it, you have it right, Avi. And, and also it plays into something that the public is kind of knowing about and Mansfield will kind of um, probably co-sign on this. Um, everybody's talking about zero bail and all of the uh, uproar regarding that. So the zero bail is, uh, and, and everything that's been going on talks about bail before trial, right? Here we're talking about bail uh, after someone has been convicted and has noticed that he, and he, and in this case, it's a he, uh, Mark Ridley Thomas intends to appeal his conviction. Um, Mansfield's, Mansfield practices in federal court. Um, so he knows better than I, but uh, in most cases, uh, federal courts want you to go into custody, you know, once you've been convicted, but they do allow 
people been convicted to get their affairs in order and do a surrender day. Um, I expected, and I think Mansfield expected that um, the Mark Lee Thomas defense was going to file a motion for Mark Lee Thomas to be on bail pending appeal. He's not uh, a convicted criminal. The crimes that he has been convicted of are not violent felonies. Nobody expects him to do anything. So I don't see why um, that the judge would look unfavorably on this. Um, Mansfield, you probably can weigh in. Well, I, I think that's right, Bobby. And there is a, a difference with respect to this particular case when the judge is going to consider this motion, whether she should allow him to remain out on bail pending appeal. And that is, it's not a case, like you said, Bobby, of a serious act of, of serious felony or serious violent crime. But more importantly, there is no victim that testified at the sentencing hearing that would put pressure on the court to immediately send him to a state to a federal prison. When you have a victim testifying at the sentencing hearing, that's the pressure that the judge uses to say, no, I'm going to deny your request to go out on bail. The victims have spoken and I'm going to honor their request. No victim gave any statement at the time allotted for that to happen. And as you've said, uh, Bobby, um, Mark Ridley Thomas had the support of the black community as well as others every single day of his trial. The, the support was positive. It was respectful. It respected the decorum of the courtroom, the decorum of the process. Of course, we did not like the result at all. But at all times, it, the, the community supported Mark Ridley Thomas in a dignified way. These are the factors that a judge would look at. And also, Mark Ridley Thomas never attacked the process at all during the trial. He never spoke up against the, the proceeding. He always maintained uh, his innocence, but that the trial should go forward. He never had press releases attacking this or attacking that, as opposed to what you see in Donald Trump and what you see in a lot of other high-profile political cases. So when the judge looks at this request, if the judge is measured and fair, she should give a lot of consideration to allowing Mark Ridley Thomas to stay out on bail pending appeal. This is the perfect case for that decision to be made in support of bail uh, to stay out on bail pending appeal. This is a perfect case for that. Yeah, when you started to go down that path of he has never attacked the process, obviously the person I thought of immediately was Donald Trump because he will attack any part of the process, including the judge, the prosecutor, the system, uh, any part of it, and it will face no consequences because of it. Had Mark Ridley Thomas done anything like that, they would have tried to, to put him in jail for, for 15 years. That would have been the prosecutor's recommendation. Um, but you you brought it up, Bobby, so I do want to just touch on it real quick for people who, who may not be familiar with Zero Bail, um, which was um, just enacted this week in, in L.A. County. Um, either one of you who wants to, to just, just briefly explain to our listeners what that is and what that means. Just a, just a quick sidebar here. Um, so it it actually went into effect today, Avi, and uh, what it is is a um, series of, of enactments, if you will, by um, the Los Angeles Superior Court, which basically put in practice what we had been what been hap happening uh, during COVID, uh, because of COVID, um, health authorities and the criminal justice system were afraid. Um, that COVID would spread in, um, in crowded jail situations. That was a major concern. And so the effort was to try to get as many people out of custody 
that could get out of custody or get out of jail who were nonviolent offenders. To make it real simple for people, um, what zero bail does, it basically gives anybody, it gives law enforcement the ability to cite people like a traffic ticket if the crime that you are charged with is a nonviolent felony, except for in some cases, um, domestic violence cases and some violent, not violent, but serious DUI cases. So basically a large part of the people who are charged with nonviolent felonies, including people who have committed uh, retail theft cases, which is kind of like what a big uproar that's going on with the public right now. Um, those people can get out without having to go through a bail hearing. Um, they would just show up at the a scheduled date. And um, there are a lot, there's actually 12 cities within the county that's suing on the Los Angeles Superior Court trying to stop this from going into effect. And that kind of gives you a, a quick snapshot of what, what zero bail is and what why some people are upset about it. Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating subject that we should do a show on because it, it's something that, that we really could get into about why some people are upset and why advocates feel it's necessary and, uh, and, and myself included because it, it's you look at the system and the wealthy have always had zero bail in effect because they can just pay and get out and not everyone has that same access. And it's, it's not the same system based on your class, based on your level of wealth or lack thereof. But uh, um, while that topic is interesting, I do want to get into um, this, uh, this Mark Lee Thomas uh, news of the day and, and kind of backtrack a little bit, you know, going back to the beginning. And I believe he was uh, first indicted in October, 20. 21. And he was looking at a bid for Los Angeles mayor. Uh, he, I, I think he probably would have had a, a, a very, at least a good chance in that race, if not, if he wouldn't have been the favorite. But uh, wh what do you, what do you make of just looking back on that time from the indictment to now? Just what that what that time period has been like. What your thoughts were then? What your thoughts were now, Mansfield? Let's start with you. My personal belief is that uh, in a prosecution of Mark Ridley Thomas, there were a lot of uh, political decisions being made um, that led to USC referring this case to the U.S. Attorney's Office for investigation. Um, the person that was uh, the chairman of the board or of the, the largest part of USC at the time was the number one candidate that would have been running against Mark Ridley Thomas uh, for the election that was held in, was it held in 2024, 2022, I believe. 23. And that Name doesn't come to my mind right now for some reason. Um, Bobby will know that Caruso. name, Caruso. Mr. Caruso, and Caruso. it's been oh. it's been it's been uh, you know suggested time and time again that Mr. Caruso was interested in clearing the field of any obstacle to his campaign for mayor because he had indicated he wanted to run for mayor, and at that time I believe he was a Republican. By the way, he didn't change to become a Democrat until after that. And remember, this whole investigation of Mark Ridley Thomas started under a U.S. attorney that was appointed by Trump. So you have to keep all of this, these political things in mind. 
So it is uh, clear that uh, Mark Ridley Thomas, if you look at the field that he would have been running for running against, he was clearly the favorite. And so, yes, many of us believe that uh, that there were political considerations that should have never entered into a determination as to whether someone should be charged. But that's exactly what we believe happened in this case. And those political considerations were uh, being controlled by Mr. Caruso. Yeah. And, and just hearing that name, it, it makes me so glad that he lost, because I, I remember during that election, he, he you know, we talked about this, um, I believe, at the end of last week. You know, uh, Republicans and Democrats clothing, you know, wolf and sheep's clothing. They do this. Paul Vallis did it in Chicago. He tried to to get the seat that the mayoral seat there. Um, and, and thankfully, Brandon Johnson won that race. But Rick Caruso tried to do it here and he almost pulled it off. And he thankfully he had, uh, you know, a great opponent in Mayor Bass, um, who was then running to be the mayor, obviously. And he he um, he was getting endorsements from Democrats and and he just it, to me, that's the kind of person that you should be able to see right through. And a, a lot of people fell for, fell for the, the banana in the tailpipe. Go ahead, Mansfield. And so look, look at the character of Mark Ridley Thomas. He never asserted a claim that the reason he was being investigated and was charged was because of Mr. Caruso, because of the high ethics that Mark Ridley Thomas has always displayed. Uh, serving the people of uh, California. He's always displayed the highest ethics. Someone else may have clearly gone on the attack, but he didn't. He could have, but he didn't. Yeah, and going back to Trump, he'll make that claim even if it's not true. He'll make that claim, <laughs> he'll make that claim if, if it's true, nothing to do with it. it doesn't matter how much evidence is against him, he'll still make that claim. Um, I, he I, has, think that, I think that's a secret to his success of <laughs> Yeah, I, I've never seen anybody claim the victim play the victim card more than Mr. Trump. I mean, he has puts the capital V in the victim card. Yeah, this is someone who was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple, and he just will play the victim card uh, endlessly, despite having get, been given every advantage in life. But before we uh, go to break, Bobby, I wanted to to get your your thoughts on on when you first heard about the indictment. Uh, back in October 2021, and, and you know what your thoughts were th then and what they are now, and just kind of how things have evolved in your mind uh, during that time. Well, generally, in federal cases, you believe that if the feds decide to come after you, they have a really strong case. And so um, we talked. I talked about this with Mansfield. I thought that they had an ironclad case against uh, Mark Ridley Thomas, uh, including all of the bribery um, charges that were against him expected that, um, Marilyn Flynn was going to be a star witness against him and take the stand and say that Mark really Thomas bribed her with relationship to what had happened. And I expected that there were going to be revelations about his son. Um, all of that turned out to be smoke and mirrors. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about it on, on the other side of the break, but, um, all of the things that we anticipated uh, uh, coming forward with respect to the trial did not happen. And it's very unusual in a federal case, especially a bribery case, that uh, a potential witness like Marilyn Flynn, who um, was supposedly the bribe person uh, at USC, a dean at USC, take the stand. Uh, and that's quite shocking for a federal case. Y'all are getting good at this radio thing. You're going to do the tease for me. I appreciate that, Bob. <laughs> yeah, well, we, that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we uh, when we uh, come forward right here on KBLA Talk 1580. 
We're back on Reva Martin in real time. Want to get as much of this in as we can. We're going to go Tiger style, meaning quickly. Um, so uh, Mansfield, uh, you're you're telling me, um, and I appreciate that update, that the that his legal team hasn't actually filed the motion yet. So I just want to get that out there. I've been saying that it's been filed. It's, it was expected to be filed today. There's a chance it could be filed after six, but it hasn't officially been filed yet. That motion for bail uh, pending appeal. Not, so, that's not since we've come on air, but it may be filed now since we've been on air, but it wasn't uh, filed as of that time. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be filed later this evening. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, and so, um, Bobby, uh, you were saying before the break uh, that you, you know, going into this back in October 2021, you thought that they had a slam dunk case and then and not everything happened during the trial uh, the way that you thought it would. Can you can you uh, tell us more about that? Yeah, so. Typically, the federal government, when they file a case against somebody, especially um, what I call white collar crime, um, financial crimes against politicians, they have a pretty airtight case. Um, and uh, all of the backdrop behind this, if you remember, was that um, Mark Lee Thomas's son, Sebastian, resigned from the California State Assembly. And... Uh, Shortly, not well, pretty much shortly after that, um, we got word that Mark Willie Thomas was going to be indicted um, by uh, by the feds. And so quickly, everyone thought, OK, this must be a, uh, have something to do with his son, Sebastian, and that they must have a really airtight case against him. The feds generally don't go to trial on a case unless they have all their ducks in a row and ready to go. Um, with this case, um, things must have shifted very quickly because usually, Avi, when um, somebody is charged with conspiracy, bribery, the feds will have somebody inside the conspiracy as a star witness. In this case, that should have been Marilyn Flynn, the dean from USC, uh, who Mark Lee Thomas was alleged to have bribed. She cut a deal with the feds and ultimately got no jail time, but she didn't have to cooperate. In other words, she didn't have to testify against Mark Riley Thomas in the trial. She was supposedly under normal circumstances. She was supposed to be the star witness. That didn't happen. That makes me believe that there was a shift uh, somewhere in terms of the prosecution's theory of the case, how they were going to present it, which is, you know, feds usually do not do that. Um, and I think Mansfield will co-sign on this. This is very, very unusual. Uh, and it kind of speaks volumes as to the strength of the case that they actually filed against Mark Willie Thomas. Yeah, it seems it seems weird to a lay person that you don't have the star witness testify during the trial, because usually the star witness is there to be the star witness during the trial. But that didn't happen. So it, it seems very odd. But. Mansfield, you're saying that, and I talked about Bob Menendez on on my show when when this happened, when when his situation happened, most notably having physical gold bars, which was a thing that I didn't think actually happened, except in James Bond movies. But can you talk about the difference in in a case like Bob Menendez or or most, if not all, bribery cases and how they differ from the case of Mark Ridley Thomas? Well, let, let me just say this. Neither the assistant U.S. attorney and her team of U.S. assistant U.S. attorneys or the judge could ever cite to a case that had anything close to the facts of the Mark Ridley Thomas case. 
And I've always said this was a conviction in search of a crime. There is no case like Mark Ridley Thomas's case. And usually those are the case scenarios. Those are the fact patterns that the feds will pass will pass on. They don't want a case that they can't they can't compare to three or four other cases. And what's happened since Margaret Lee Thomas's conviction, you've had the traditional bribery cases, gold bars, uh, the politician down in Orange County taking a million dollar a donation promise regarding the angels. Those are the traditional cases. There's no case like the one that the feds brought against Margaret Lee Thomas. And like Bobby said, the fact that the co-conspirator didn't testify, I don't know how any court of appeals would find that you could find the intent or the pressure or the duress or the coercion placed on a co-conspirator, which is what the government alleged here, without the co-conspirator establishing that through, through her testimony. There are no writings that said that. Anyway, I'm, I'll stop at that point because of, of the time. <laughs> Yeah, this is a note to self. Never book Bobby in Mansfield for less than the full hour. Never, ever will I do that again, because we could easily continue this conversation. And I wish we could. Um, but just uh, 30 seconds, Bobby, uh, your your parting thoughts on uh, on the pending uh, uh, motion that is legal team is going to file today. Um, again, as we, we kind of talked about earlier, I expect that the judge will have to give uh, long consideration into the defense motion. Um, to release him on bail pending the appeal. I think the 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 strength of the appeal is is evident to everybody. And Mark Ruthie Thomas is not somebody who's not going to show up to court. He's going to be there. He doesn't pose a danger to doing any more crimes because he's no longer in office. So there's really no reason not to grant bail here. And uh, your, your closing thoughts today, Mansfield, 30 seconds. Uh, I think I'm getting some notifications that maybe the bail motion has been filed during our our, our segment right now. Uh, okay. I think it was a miscarriage of justice. I think on on appeal the case will be reversed. Um, it just uh, the, the 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 federal the feds should never have brought this case to begin with. This is a father trying to help his son. May have showed poor judgment, but it's hard to say that he's bribing anybody. I mean, usually politicians, every case that we know of involves a politician receiving money to do something. Really, Tom is using funds in a lawful way to help his son in a lawful way that the feds tried to turn into a crime. Well, thank you both. Mansfield Collins, Bobby Grace, really appreciate your insights. And we'll definitely have you back soon as this case continues to develop. And I hope you're right, Mansfield. Hopefully they win the appeal, but we'll certainly continue to follow this. The next voice you hear will be Robin Ayers with the Raw Reports. Ariva will be back in this chair tomorrow, not this chair because I'm at home, but this chair on the air with you. I'm Avi Bernard and I am gone.